everyone. Welcome to another uh, uh, installment of TCBH Hangouts um, with with Jack, Rob, and Chris. Rob will not be with us today because he is on a far off trip. So um, he sent us some great pictures, and I believe that he's enjoying himself. He is a gaijin in Japan. <laughs> An outsider exploring a foreign land. Unfortunately, I don't think this is going to be... Well, actually, fortunately, I don't think this is going to be a Last Samurai situation for him. No, no, I don't think so either. And in case people didn't notice, uh, I'm taking over. <laughs> it's true. I didn't have much of an option. Chris is he—he he is a strong-willed individual, and he is taking over. Yeah, and so I'm I'm gonna pretty much hope that Rob's gonna be with us next week. I, I think he will be, or next month. I'm sorry, since we're doing this one monthly. My bad. Um, so let's just dive right in, huh? Yeah, let's do it, man. I, I, I'm excited to chat with you about Archipelago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, we were playing. We've been playing Archipelago very wrong. I can't believe we've had this game for about a year and a half, and we're still like learning how to play it. Yeah, um, that's kind of the archipelago situation. There's a lot to contend with there. So how many how many playthroughs would you say you had before you actually figured it out and it wasn't like tiresome? Oh well, I I meant for normal human beings. I had it perfect the <laughs> first time. But... No, I I think it was probably like three or four games before we kind of wrapped our, our brain around the thing, but we still have to reference the rule book all the time for just bizarre situations that come up. It's, it's a squishy game because there's a, a lot of, a lot of rules that kind of butt up each against each other in weird ways. Right. Yeah. You mentioned the rule book. I noticed how uh, uh, it's, it's definitely not the best rule book, but at least all the information's there. We actually found ourselves getting confused a couple times going back into the rule book, and we were like, uh... So we had to look online for some stuff. So uh, it was just kind of funny when we were playing this one, man, because we just actually... My wife was getting real stressed out with the progress cards. The uh, the red part versus the yellow part, balancing the archipelago with the yellow part versus the, um, the penalty you pay in the progress part with the red uh, part of the card. And... Man, she just kept, you know, uh, uh, flipping those back and forth. And so we actually, I had to go in and like underline it in the the instructions where it just says the yellow ones are for the balance and the red ones are for this. You don't use the red for this, but it almost seemed buried in there. Oh, i tell you what. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I think that the the yellow ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Because at the very end of the round or whatever, you don't pay attention to certain ones and you pay attention to certain ones towards the beginning. Yeah. I remember having kind of a, a enlightenment moment where I was like, oh, I get it. We've been playing this wrong. And that's exactly what happened about a week ago with us. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, my wife was still iffy, but like I figured I got it. And so I just kind of, I kind of narrated us through it and it made so much more sense. We were using the markets more. There actually, once you kind of wrap yourself around it, there was, are actually some really cool parts to this game that you can use together. Like every single part of the game I like, I just wasn't, I, I wasn't figuring out. It, it's just challenging. And I kind of appreciate it about this one. Um, the, the guy doesn't really help you out that much, but. Um, yeah, but I do the, appreciate the complexity of this one, man. 
Yeah, Archipelago is incredible. I, I love that game. I love how much of a, like an exploratory sandbox it is. And I, I love games that have lots of systems and are really big and dynamic, which it is. But also the rule book is written as if it's a dude telling you how to play as right. opposed to being a rules reference. And it feels like even the language use in the game is a little bit dubious. Like, do they know how to play? <laughs> really? uh, all right well a game that i've been playing we'll we'll do some alternation here so yeah sure sure sagrada i got to play this game at dice tower last year and i i had fun but also it like broke my brain and <laughs> like three points during the game i had to self impose removing dice because I was like, ah, oh, guys, sorry, I totally screwed up. This die can't go here. And so I did miserably. Well, it turns out I still haven't won a game of Sagrada, but I did get a copy for my birthday and I've been playing it a bunch um, with my wife and some friends. And I even checked it out solo here. I'm really digging on that game. I normally don't like the kind of puzzle-ish sudoku type of thing but mm -hmm. i think kind of the the trippy look of the game draws me in and because you're dissecting it all at one time from a limited pool of choices you just have the the dice there right in front of you it's kind of a good way to tiptoe your way into these more puzzly numberish games like sudoku which i still think is like too much for me to think about, but this is this is a good puzzle to kind of sink my teeth into. I love this one too. You know, uh, I used to think that oh, I got to do everything on the uh, objective cards. I got to do everything it's asking for. That's that's the point of this game. But I realized that's not the case. There were times where I actually just ditched a row or ditched a column to really hit big points on another area. Um, I've been killing people with the diagonals. I don't know what it is about me and the diagonals, but um, uh, uh, <laughs> you're like the diagonal master. It's your it's your chosen katana method is cutting at the yeah. diagonals <laughs> and watching the top slide down in that awesome diagonal slide. Oh, it's perfect. Every anime or, or even like Resident Evil the the movie. I love those moments yeah. where a dude gets chopped up but you're like did it actually work? And then you start seeing the slide <laughs> and maybe there's like one last blink or something. And then you're like yes, this worked. It completely worked. It's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, Sagrada. I actually, I, we've been really playing a lot of that one, like at the end of the night or in between. Man, that's a good one. Um, you know, we've been really on the complex kick because uh, uh, we followed up Archipelago with Colonists. And, man, Colonists, um, there was uh, some stuff online about people playing nine-hour games of Colonists. And uh, it just takes a lot to do one thing, you know. So if you want this, you got to go to this spot and this spot and this spot to do it. There's a lot of errors, a lot of rounds, uh, super huge uh, tiles everywhere, cards everywhere. Um, but uh, And there's four errors that you play through, and they're pretty long. Um, and so we were getting burned out by the time because, you know, you get all the more valuable stuff at the end of the game, of course. Mm -hmm. But we were getting we were getting burned out towards the end. 
and then we were just out of mental energy to play for the bigger stuff. So um, they have this cool setup thing where you can just basically use a certain amount of coins to like purchase buildings and stuff, and you can so you can start in any era. So uh, it was interesting because, you know, we were like laboring like crazy on this game and not that we weren't enjoying it. It was just long. And I know a lot of people <laughs> were on this about how long it was. I've seen a lot of stuff online about how long the colonists is. But we uh, just a suggestion that we stumbled on was we did that little shopping method for the first two eras. And then we were like. Hey, this is kind of cool. Like we're, we're buying stuff, and oh, I'm gonna mix this and this, and I'm gonna do that and that. And it was all with those those end game goals uh, uh, in mind. We kept that in mind, and and man, it was it was it added another it, it weirdly added another layer to the game. I'd, I've never shortened a game, and then it added a layer. This little short, this little shopping method that it had was uh, actually pretty nifty. And I found myself trying to just like experiment. Okay, well, I could do this and this. I could do this and this. And I was really trying to set myself up. December was trying to set herself up. And then when we played those last two eras, it was like, oh, hey, you know, that was actually, it felt different than the shopping part. And so then we could just blast those two eras out and really dig into them. And we scored more points than we'd scored. We, uh, it was just, it was only about maybe four hours tops. Um, yeah, so it was Four very interesting. Hours. Uh, colonists Four hours for a two-player game. What yeah. is this, War of the Ring? Only <laughs> Four hours, I know. Oh, man, that's a little too much game for me to deal with. I mean, I, I like long games, I, and I like when I have a specifically designated time to do so, but I so rarely have the ability for that anymore. But like, right, when, I mean... When I get it set up, I guess, but, you know... Right. I think like Game of Thrones is a classic example of a game that is fun for about an hour and a half to two hours. And then there's about a 50, 50 chance if you're going to have fun for the remaining two hours, because it's pretty certain at about the halfway mark, what three people have even the possibility of winning and who else is just going to be like some psychophant, like Grim or warm tongue in Lord of the Rings. Who's going to be like, Oh my Lord, I can help you win. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's one of those things where I, I enjoy a really long game, but Sometimes I do get to the point where I'm like, my only objective at this point in the game is to finish the game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's not theme long either. This game is all like mechanics and shit, too. So it's like it is so it's just so if you want wheat, you got to convert this to this and then go here to do this and then go here and buy the wheat. It's like, wow, uh, it's a lot of stuff to just get. A resource you know so yeah yeah but it is but when you know when we did this little version of it it was uh, uh it was a lot of fun actually it, it we already loved this game and we're already kind of like man we want to you know love it more and uh, i think we ended up um succeeding there so what else are you playing well I, i've been playing more spirit island but of course. i'm always playing spirit island <laughs> i i am spirit island is life and i am always right. digging into that even though i got the review done i am working on a review for the expansion which is also really cool kind of divisive I, a lot of people don't really like the expansion because of the fact that it adds a few more random elements but they're they're random elements that you kind of know what to expect as far as what things they'll key into so you can still 
set yourself up in advantageous positions, even if you don't know what the cards are going to flop. But I, I've talked endlessly about Spirit Island on a, a lot of different venues. So the the other thing that I'm really digging on is Flam Rouge, which I've been playing for a while, but I, every time I dig it out, which now I'm working on a review for that, I'm just like, dude, this game is so simple yet it is incredibly intense and there there's a, a frenetic energy to it uh, that you are on the edge of your seat every time you you set these cards up and just watch them resolve and it, it's so cool that in such a Spartan package like very very little to speak of in terms of mechanisms like there there's maybe like three core things that you need to know in order to play the basic game and yet the the energy the speed of which it feels like you're racing around this track is awesome i i have you played it well rob and i actually demoed this game at pax and we were talking with um, uh, I guess it was a rep and it was this giant version of it. And these two, uh, actually these three guys were playing it. And so this guy was taking us through it while these guys were playing on this giant version. And man, I was, I was blown away. Um, me and Rob were geeking pretty hard on it and you're right. Simple, simple. And these guys that were playing had a blast. I didn't get a chance to play it. But um, boy, if you've got a copy, I'd love to get on it with you sometime. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And because I'm like a, a cycling geek and everything, I'm yeah. like, oh, they managed to account for the Peloton, huh? We're drafting <laughs> here. Ooh, <laughs> well, these guys know their stuff. Um, and of course, like every American, I imagine I over embellish every French term in there. I'm <laughs> like, the roulier is going to go ahead and move five spaces. <laughs> people are like the what i'm like the roulier is going to move please move my roulier they're like i'll move your r piece okay got it yeah <laughs> and i agree with you about like them actually bringing the smart game because i noticed too that there was a cool mechanic towards the end of the game where the the like the uh the the pace setter guys kind of I can't remember what it was. There was some kind of cool mechanic at the end of the game where something with the Peloton and then you're pulling and then, you know, somebody's getting tired, which is how you pull in those cards. And I was just like, man, that is neat. Yeah, yeah. The, the way it works is that in a group of cyclists, uh, if you're one space away from any other group, so group is considered like people in adjacent spaces, uh, and there's two okay. rows, but for this purpose, we're talking about like uh, each space includes both rows. But if you're one space behind, you actually catch up. You uh, get the the updraft that's going to uh, allow you to well the the slipstream in the peloton, right. and so you slide up. So being slightly behind other people gives you bonus movement. And that's reflective of actual cycle racing. Right. You know, you're you're actually going to have less resistance and the slipstream is going to make it easier. You're going to have to exert less energy in order to move forward. Mm -hmm. Now, yep. if you are at the head of a pack, whether it's the person in first place or it's the person who's at the head of a pack that's lagging behind and you don't have anyone to bring you forward in a slipstream, then you get these exhaustion cards added to your deck. And so 
the game is about kind of conserving your energy, mm-hmm. not getting too far behind, but also not getting too far ahead. You have two different cyclists on every team, a sprinter and a rulier, who is more of kind of like a an average speed type of person. You have high, uh, the sprinter has higher highs and lower lows. And so right. you are trying to kind of stay with the pack and angle for like the right opportunity to blast ahead and not care as much about the exhaustion that you're going to get. And it makes for a really cool and intense puzzle. And because everyone is simultaneously selecting their cards and you end up resolving them uh, based off of position of riders once you flip them over, you right. are so excited to see what everyone else plays. And usually it's like, no, why did you play that card? Now I'm ahead of the, <laughs> the group. It's terrible. Um, and then it does a couple other interesting things with uphill and downhill that affect the numbers on the cards. But the 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 core of it is that you have two pieces on the board. You pick two cards every turn, one out of your sprinter deck, one out of your rollier deck. And then you just resolve those cards. And that sounds like there's hardly any game in there. But every time I played it with everyone that I've played it with, we have had a killer time with it. Like it is a very exciting game and probably the first racing board game that I've truly actually loved. Right. Yeah, and I see sometimes they try to throw a racing theme into some games, and for this to kind of naturally have that, like, yeah, this was a cool package for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I lo- I loved this one for sure. Actually, I haven't seen it anywhere yet. I might I might be able to sell the wife. She's not the biggest cyclist, but I think I can. I've gotten into her into other stuff, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Right. It's also um, got the- killer artwork. Yeah, I hear you. I, uh, I I thought so too because this guy had a he had this big super version, and then we were looking at the regular game while we were at PAX. We were looking at the regular game, and I was like, "Man, look at all this! This is great." The little cyclist guys, the cards, oh, good stuff. You always get me with a good looking game. I tell you what, that's my gateway in, man. Um, uh, I have one more thing that we've been playing. The our last thing that we've been playing crazy is uh, Village. Um, I don't know if you've played Village, but it's just your basic Euro worker placement. You're living in a village, and there's you know all these buildings that have uh, uh, different things that you can do with them. You got craft spots where you can convert goods, and you got the uh, the council chamber where you can use your influence and stuff. And is, uh, is this the game where you end up having like people die? Like you you have people die, and they get like tombstones or something or points awarded for their death or something I, like that I, actually, actually yeah you know okay i've I, I played this that. game before I've yeah and this. you know getting your guys into the memorial book uh gets you the points and that's if there's no right. spaces right. left in the memorial book there's just like some ditched graveyard back behind the church <laughs> right 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 <laughs> i remember thinking wow this is kind of whack like yeah you know i'm positioning my people for the most glorious death in a euro game Right. Or I just, I put, you know, and then they, they're numbered meeples. So when you bring them in and when they, when they, when they're born and when they die, the numbers matter. You got to do the lowest numbers first. Believe when, they're dying. Me, when you're born and when you die, those numbers matter. That's all that matters. <laughs> where you end you what, usually depends on where you start. Right. Well, there's like one guy that I had last night. Uh, he worked uh, in the, in the, um, the stables 
just breeding oxen the whole time, and then that's what he did his entire life. So <laughs> he was. <laughs> this is the most tragic and probably the most accurate depiction of Middle Ages Europe. Isn't that wild? And I had two guys in the I had uh, uh, two guys in the council chamber that were all the way up that were just converting coins to uh, uh, to victory points while I got a guy laboring like crazy in the stables. It was fantastic. We it was it was a great. We had a great time last night. Um, and we were up to like three in the morning. And I was like, man, I gotta I gotta be up to do to do this podcast, but uh, couldn't stop playing, man. More people were, we started filling up the grave behind the, uh, um, behind the church, which is a little bit different. See, just like Archipelago, we've been kind of rereading instructions and then trying to go back into the game with like kind of a different angle. And sometimes I've actually been surprised with these games and just in general, how you can go into these games and get so much something different out of it when you just kind of change up your approach. Uh, Really good stuff, man. That game of Archipelago was completely different, especially when me and my wife, we decided to really go negotiation heavy before we started just like trading goods and stuff like, you know, on the board. Mm-hmm. And man, that completely changed the game. Like, I'll give you this and this if you let me go here later. And if I go here later, I'll give you this and you can have half of my this if we do this and I'll balance this if you pay me this kind of stuff. And it was it, it was like a whole different game. So I got to I, I want to just give board games in general a shout out for the uh the replayability man the last archipelago game that i played was with christina and another buddy and it was down to the the balance of the archipelago stage where we're having to to pay goods in order to you know take care of the archipelago or i guess um the what's happening here is that Dan, my buddy, has a lot of resources and stuff, and it's clear that uh, he's doing well. And then I have a lot of resources and stuff, and it's clear that I'm doing well. And Christina is probably doing all right, but she's looking at what what Dan and I have and is like, okay, okay, I see what's going on. And then we have to pay a cow or else the the the... I guess a local population uprises and we all lose. Dan is going first. Dan has a cow. He goes, yeah, I'm not paying a cow. Jack has a cow. He says, yeah, you know what? Leave it for lesser people to pay a cow. (laughs) (laughs) It goes to Christina. Christina's secret victory unbeknownst to us relies on her having the, the exploration discs and, that's the only thing that she has going on for her right now. And she would have to use her exploration discs in order to save the archipelago. And the, I don't think she was being a poor sport, but I think she was saying, all right, y'all want to make me save the day. No, let it burn. Let it burn. And she did. She did. And everyone lost. And we learned an important lesson. Don't always rely on the person ahead of you in order to save the day. Wow, nice little plot twist at the end of exactly. it. Exactly, she didn't just become <laughs> part brutal. of the rebellion. She she didn't just become part of the rebellion. She was the rebellion leader. <laughs> yeah. She's like rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> yeah, she she went full on Avatar or Last of the Mohicans, where she she joined the uprising there. Brilliant! The Don't, let do Don't let them do it to you. Don't let them do it to you. I think that's great. 
But I'll tank a game though. I, I'll do that though. That's my thing. Is I'll, I'll intentionally. I've had people get mad at me for doing that, playing Battlestar Galactica and not being a Cylon, but playing as a Cylon. It really pissed some people off. I was I was actually surprised at how many people were actually mad. Why would you do that? I was like, well, because I'm playing a game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sowing deceit uh, in social deduction games. Like I'm, I I don't think I ever intentionally play the other side but i love the suspense and the mystery and so i like acting suspicious like why would i do that unless i were a werewolf um but uh, you know clearly i'm not actually helping out the werewolf side um but trying to even pose the possibility that i am the traitor and in a way that makes it uh, a little bit more of a mind game of well, he said he is. Is he saying that because it's so obvious he's not? Or is he saying that because he wants me to think that he's not, even though he totally is? Or is mm-hmm. he doing even beyond that? Um, and mainly because I, I just like to, to heighten the mood. And most of those games, I get the most out of them when we're, we're in a state of suspense. And if you get overly analytical about things, then it kind of ruins the suspense. Right, right. And, and like I, we also did a murder mystery one time and I kind of did a very similar thing. And and again, people were kind of upset with me. And, and I was just I kept being like, well, how come I feel like I'm winning? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm winning. I don't know. I, I'm winning something here. So. Uh, so um, what else you got going on? That's not necessarily on the table. OK, you've been up to. Well, I I have the cardboard herald constantly always <laughs> in everything um but he asked me last night like how do you put out so much content and yeah i was like uh, um well some people may say it's better to have quality over quantity but <laughs> no i i've just been spending a lot of time working on this but i have managed to play some video games i've been playing some splatoon which is a real sweet um game on the switch and it's uh, like a third person shooter okay. arena online thing except you're uh, painting the arena like you can still kill your opponents and they respawn but they explode into a splash of paint and all of your guns are some form of paint guns mirroring guns in classic other games in a lot of ways more imaginative and kind of crazy but the after three minutes you have to have uh the most turf painted is the basic mode Mm -hmm. and so you know as you're shooting your gun you might not even be shooting at opponents you're still painting the arena and then their color is overlapping your paint your color is overlapping yours you have the ability to move faster uh, through your own color of paint and do some cool stuff. And when you're on okay. your opponent's color of paint, you're moving slower and I think actually taking damage. Um, and so it's just, it, it throws classic shooting multiplayer games on their head. And I love it. And the three minute matches are perfect because I rarely get to just kind of sit down and play a ton of video games so I can play like a couple matches in between something. Right, and then the the other thing is I've just been watching a bunch of shows like Altered Carbon and The Expanse are two shows that I think I've finished up since last time we recorded something, and both of those are interesting science fiction shows. The Expanse I would say is a little bit more 
sophisticated and incredible. Uh, have you watched either of these things? I haven't. I've been seeing Altered Carbon uh, ads like crazy, and uh, it definitely looks interesting. I put it in the queue. I was going to check it out. Um, all right. All right. Check this out. So okay. this is like, you know, the, the Expanse is that pizza that is at a nice restaurant that's like a really delicious, unique pizza that's sophisticated, whereas Altered Carbon is like the greasiest Domino's pizza that you've ever had in your life. Ultra Carbon gets going a lot quicker, and you're like, I get this, and I'm into it. But then you realize that there's not a lot of substance here, and while there's some concepts that make it a pizza, like, you know, it's a kind of mind-bendy sci-fi show, Mm -hmm. it's really just trying to take the form of a pizza, but at the same time, it is just greasy fast food, which is okay. You may want that. You're diving into it quicker. Whereas The Expanse, you have to wait for that. You have to mm-hmm. wait for the artisanal chef to really make that thing happen. And the first couple of episodes are a little bit boring in some ways. And you're like, man, Thomas Jane's haircut is really cool. But aside from that, I don't know what else is going on here. But by the end you are all in and convinced that it's the best pizza you've ever had in your life. I think that I enjoyed my time with both of them, but I am super waiting for the next season of expanse, which I think actually just started, but I typically binge watch things when they come out of seasons and Mm -hmm. all to carbon is I'll watch the next season, but if they play another like slow version of a classic, awesome, intense song where they're like, oh, we're being so haunting and deep by playing white zombies more human than human in like a, a slow way with a haunting female voice. No, I don't want any more of that. I hate that. I, I hate when, you know. Johnny Cash's God is going to cut you down just because you slowed that down and you are covering it with a little bit of minimalistic techno stuff. It's the equivalent of someone taking a heavy metal song and playing it on the acoustic guitar. And it's like, I just blew to your minds, dude. It's so deep <laughs> and slow because I was that guy. I know what's up with that. I played in the hallways at high school being like, I'm so artistic and expressive and how I No, that's awful. It's terrible. Yeah, it seems very CW to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, there are some really cool ideas in that show. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the Expanse is a bit more sophisticated. And But ultimately, I'm just happy that more new, cool, original science fiction is coming out. Both of them are based on book series. And I, I've read some of the Expanse. I haven't read what Altered Carbon is based on. But mm-hmm. I, I think they're still both worth checking out. Well, you make a great point about Netflix. I actually just ditched cable when uh, I finally found out how much I was paying for it. And I was like, wait a minute. You yep. know what I mean? I miss, <laughs> I miss the sports for sure. But, you know, some of the stuff just replays a week later, a day later. Like, oh, do I need to watch it the day of? I can still experience it. I mean, I've been doing the Netflix and the YouTube TV. And, uh, man, I'm not paying $100 a month for anything. Um and it's just been just as rewarding. It's been less ads, so um, I see. I've been seeing that more people are getting more in tune with the 
the streaming services <clears throat> they're just getting they're getting too uh too consistent too legit i've just been running netflix and youtube off the playstation and basing everything off the playstation and mm-hmm. it's been fantastic i've been watching bob ross i've been watching original <laughs> iron chef nice uh, <laughs> was watching ninja warrior i mean let's go huh um, so, you know, I uh, actually, speaking of um, the PlayStation, you know, I, we, we just had a, a baby. She's pushing eight weeks. She's fantastic. But, you know, we've been really dialing her in the routine. So it's been very on call. So I've been sneaking in some Netflix watching. I've been watching some uh, anime stuff on Netflix. I actually started watching Full Metal Alchemist because I know that's that's one that I've been needing to see being an anime fan. And uh, I didn't realize they jumped so they jumped right into the you know be careful when you're trying to bring humans back yeah yeah that's i was like oh okay i (laughs) I thought this was going to be a little kitty all right oh yeah equivalent exchange and i was like okay all right uh you know and it starts off on a pretty intense note there and it just it amps up from there it's like a a consistent parade of sorrows that that show And I like the guy uh, voice acting Ed. He was in. Uh, he was my man Shogo Yahagi in Megazone Twenty Three. So I have to. I have to give him that leniency there. So, um, but no, I'm definitely enjoying that. And um, whenever else baby's giving me time, I've been trying to finish up the Blood and Wine expansion on that Witcher Three. And boy, the Witcher Three has consumed my life uh, as far as video games go. I've had a lot of friends tell me it was too complex, but um, you know, if you, it rewards you. Uh, it's very similar to some of these board games. I really love the choose-your-own-adventure angle of it, and just that darkness that's underlying everything. Uh, like nothing. Oh, that seems nice. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, the sister set her up to live in this fake world or something, and you're like, oh, so that's a fake nice. <laughs> uh, you know and it's like whoa this is actually messed up here you know uh, very nuanced so, uh, yeah and you know they they're definitely working on the tech because i can't i mean the the it's just fantastic looking and it plays fantastic and you throw in the themes and all that stuff uh uh, I've also been reading the game game of thrones and so i've i've been seeing some similarities uh, mm-hmm. Between Game of Thrones and The Witcher, did you play that? Uh, happen to play that Blood and Wine expansion? No, I only played the base game, and I've heard the the extra stuff is really cool. So I've been oh, thinking man, about checking am- it out. It's amazing, but ironically, just starting the Game of Thrones, there was a a, a, a princess sister situation mm-hmm. with, with, and the princess's name was uh or, or i guess in in the witcher it was the duchy of Toussaint, right this uh-huh. chick's name was anna henrietta and the sister's name was sienna and then i was like wait a minute i was reading the game of thrones where um it was aria and uh-huh. and uh sansa San- sansa and so i was like hey what's up with the as names and in the witcher it was reversed because the s name was the and I was like, was the more successful one, and the other one was the held back one, you know? And I was like, they had to have been aware of this. Yeah, the, there's probably just... Both of those had games are, are so incredibly brutal in their depiction of their respective worlds, and very nuanced, very sophisticated, and uh, both of them go to some extremely dark places. Uh, right. Wh- where would you say you are in Game of Thrones right now? Like, w- what recently happened? So, um, my man Jon Snow 
is going up to the wall. Um, the 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 uh, who was it? The sister just got married to the Dothraki dude, and he ended up being tender and gentle with her. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, um, you're, so you're, you're still everything's building up fantastically. I love that all the characters have interesting stories. Um, I'm starting to maybe see some connection to the stories maybe that i'm hoping um maybe it won't be i'm hoping that I, I always read things like this hoping that i'll be dashed like oh i hope the best thing happens and then when it doesn't i'm like yeah oh wow like oh man yeah this is and this so, is like, the story for you then and yeah yeah i'm i'm enjoying there's a lot of foreshadowing cool foreshadowing stuff in this just with like you know they all get a white wolf and then the bastard child gets the albino wolf and the albino wolf is the biggest one and doesn't say anything so he named him ghost and everybody's kind of tripping out about it and i was just like okay this is good stuff right here everybody's story's unique but yet seems tied together and you know i hadn't i hadn't watched any of the show or anything and so to kind of read the book, it was like, okay, so this isn't, oh, we're all battling for the throne with swords and shields. No, no, this is like that political intrigue. It reminded me of some of these board games, to be honest with you. Uh, when I, I was seeing elements of like, you know, trading and bartering, like you're trading your sister for, you know, for influence and prestige, technically. Uh -huh. it's just like, yeah. whoa, what? Whoa. So, uh, yeah, I, I see something building up. I'm really, uh, you know, I got big wishes for my man, Jon Snow. Um I really like the Jon Snow character for some because everybody keeps wanting to hold him back, and he's like, "Nah, I'm gonna make it happen. Watch, you know." And I'm like, "Okay, do it." And and man, and just everybody like, "Oh, you're the bastard, huh?" Like, wow, wow, to be known for that, right? Like, oh, that's rough, dude. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, I I think you're going to like where this series goes, um, but it, it is one of those things that I remember when I first started reading it, going like. God, I cannot wrap my head around like all these. You've given me about 40 different names so far, book, and I'm like three chapters in. I can't separate my Arya's from my Sansa's, from my Tyrion's, from my Tywin's, from, you know, all of these different names constantly being thrown at you. About halfway through the first book, maybe even the end of the first book, it's all going to click that, you know what? I only really need to to know the names of who I'm reading about in this current chapter. You kind of start seeing through the matrix and identifying who those those characters are. Um, if you're going to end up watching the show, I might even recommend finishing the first book and then watching the first season, and then that will kind of cement like a some imagery for you of who each character is, and then from there you will absolutely like start consuming the books with a ferocity that you won't even understand. Okay. Cause I, okay. cause well, I know you and I, I know how much you love this kind of stuff and you need to kind of get the, your teeth in a little bit, but as soon as you taste the sweet, sweet blood of game of Thrones, <laughs> you are going to finish those books instantly. Okay. And I did take your advice actually, when I did first start reading it about uh, just kind of focusing on the last names what I've been doing is focusing on the last names, the house names. So when I'm like, wait, who's this? What, what are they? I'll just, I'll just kind of, I've been going, that's one of the things that's catching me up with taking me forever to read it is uh, I'm going back and checking and referencing like, oh, like, like so-and-so's warning. And I was like, warning? The sister? Whose sister? Uh... And then I go back and read it, and it was like, oh, yeah, they had sex. And then the guy came in and said, oh, it's for her. She needs to read it. And said, my sister's going to – my sister's telling me the, the Lannisters are shady. And I was like, oh, wow, this is uh, 
This is confusing. <laughs> just just plow through, enjoy each moment, um, and l- let me just let you know that it's a treasure to reread those books because so much is going over your head right now, and so much of it, even the stuff that you think is entirely inconsequential, is foreshadowing for the future, and not just in a direct sense of like oh this is the Chekhov's gun where they left the item and they just offhandedly mention this one thing that becomes of significant importance later but also thematic importance like there's so many things that mirror elements later on in, in the books and you're like whoa this is totally foreshadowing that other moment by being like a a thematic representation of what's going to happen or a right. character will say something and it kind of sounds neat in the moment but two books later that exact thing that they were saying actually is coming true except turned on its head and everything is horrible um so there, there are some really cool elements if you go back and reread them. So I wouldn't worry too much about getting all the details straight uh, as you're going through because the kind of more a story, the, 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 the mainline thing is going to kind of slip into place here. It, it very shortly, you know, you have, you have the, the plot of Jon Snow going to the North and hanging out on the wall you have the plot of um ned stark and being asked to go down to king's landing to be the king's hand that's going to be kind of the another plot and then the other real major plot of the first book is daenerys and her Mm -hmm. brother with her getting married and what's going on with the dothraki over across the ocean so yep. that's kind of the main three things. If you can get a handle on that, then I think you got a handle on the the book itself enough to okay. get through. Okay. Well, I definitely got a handle on those, and so I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm super enjoying it, and man, I tell you what, like it's good stuff. You know, some I, I was talking to my sister in law about it, and she was like, "Oh, let me guess, Game of Thrones," and I was like, "You know, I'm reading the book. Relax, <laughs> <laughs> chill out. You know, I'm kind of on that higher level stuff right now. <laughs> I read, yeah, I read, and they've got. It's funny because they got like the first three seasons of Game of Thrones box sets just sitting on their shelves, and they're not doing anything with it. And I was like, "Oh, you just got it to got it, get it, huh?" Like. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> so, um, what's going on in the news? Anything interesting that you're uh, you've been checking out? What have you been reading about? Um, honestly, I'm going to keep this non board game geek uh, related, non board game anything related, and just mention that I thought in gaming news it was interesting that Billy Mitchell of uh, King of Kong fame, he he was the guy who was the former champion, or I guess was the champion and remained the champion of King Kong high scores and like arcade King Kong, or uh, not King Kong, uh, uh, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, yep. I'm thinking of the movie King of Kong. And right. in the movie King of Kong, it's about another dude who's trying to uh, train, essentially, to overthrow Billy Mitchell's score. Well, it turns out Billy Mitchell cheated and um, <laughs> submitted a uh, version, a, a record that uh, got his high score based off of uh, using like a, an 
a way of altering the program. Uh, which yeah, yeah. I think it was like an emulator, right? He yeah. was using an emulator. Well, it's something called MAME is the, the main theory, uh, which okay. uh, allows you to do certain things. And that's allowed when submitting your scores, as long as you are in that category where you are claiming it to be something that's tool-assisted in some way. He was not, and it's strictly forbidden to uh, enter something as non-tool-assisted, uh, like as complete original hardware, and then claim that it is. So, um, this is a, a big deal because it was discovered that it was impossible to get the score that he got. He was stripped of his... Uh, his placeholder, all of his titles at Twin Galaxies, which for a long time has been the way of keeping track of arcade scores. And mm -hmm. what's really fascinating to me about this is thinking about it through the lens of board games is, you know, do we care as much about winning? I mean, like high scores are something that have been in arcades forever, you know, oh. and achievements and, and yeah, I mean, that was like your purpose. For, that was like your purpose for going. Yeah, you know? exactly. Right. You know, these are things that are have been in video games for ages, and there right. are like championships for board games, and certainly like collectible games like Magic: The Gathering, you know, world champion or or regional winners and that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm surprised that I can't go on Board Game Geek at this point and have it like readily available in the information here like on any game that has world championships that are like official championships you know actually sponsored or, or recognized by the um, creators of the game that I can't surface that information about who's won each year and all that kind of stuff I'm sure if you dug a little bit deeper that information's there but it's interesting just the the change in cultures from uh one type of community to another that that really isn't a thing in tabletop gaming at all i agree with you for me it's kind of like the experience i sometimes i find myself just kind of like point salading and hanging out with friends and listening to tunes and um so i definitely see where you're coming from there and but I mean, cheating in general, right? Did, I mean, was he aware that he was cheating? Uh, yeah, I think that you wouldn't know that. Uh, I mean, he's claimed forever that they weren't uh, altered in any way, and that it was strictly forbidden. And even people asking, "Hey, you know, it's cheating if you use something," and him being like, "No, no, no, no! Everyone's just a hater. They don't understand." It doesn't help that Billy Mitchell is like the heel of the arcade cabinet world. Yeah. Like, I was it, about to say, I've watched this a, a while ago. I've seen, I saw this a while ago and I want to say that I remembered Billy Mitchell being a little on the salty side. Not very, the most, not much, not the most likable person. He, he has an intensity to his look on his face that right. is always like, I hate everyone around me and you are all beneath me type of thing. He has a ridiculous haircut that I, I'm not opposed to having long hair, but long hair to me traditionally is like uh, uh, either the valiant hero or the hippie who's kind of cool with everything. Neither <laughs> of those embody Billy Mitchell, so he looks very out of place with his long hair, and he always wears an American flag tie in like his, his presentations and everything, and so he looks 
like someone who's a caricature straight out of a comic book mm-hmm. and he talks like an arrogant villain like yeah. that that truly is just <laughs> how he comes across so you kind of want him to be erased from the planet as far as his high scores go and everything you know you don't want it's not like you want an asterisk next to his win. You're like, no, take that guy down. Get him <laughs> off that scoreboard. You know, he doesn't belong on this leaderboard. Finally, we've we've proven. So uh, justice was served, and Billy Mitchell can go cry in a corner. Officially wiped. Wiped yeah. from it. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Any news? Yeah, you know, um, I was I, I caught some. You know, I've been when I can with little baby being on demand all the time. But uh, no, I had saw this like a Law and Order SVU board game, and that was kind of interesting to me. I didn't find much info on it when I saw it. I was like, hey, I loved the show, and uh, I'll probably keep looking for info on it because I was just interested with like, how are you going to put that content in a board game? Please tell um, me I'm going to have like a perfectly sculpted ice tea mini. That's that's <laughs> all I need. In life board games have reached their ultimate conclusion as far as i'm concerned if i have an iced tea mini yeah i mean i'm not really trying to pull like the uh the castration card or anything (laughs) (laughs) um and uh you know i'm not gonna be too long here too the i do want to my other thing i was looking at i just i was looking at a bunch of uh you know cardboard held stuff and i just wanted to give you props on the ex libris Rook and Record again. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, I love the Steely Dan album. <laughs> and not only that, I used the word amalgamation the other day. And my wife was giving me all kinds of hell for it. And when we looked it up, let's just say uh, let's just say she backed off a little bit. And so when I heard <laughs> amalgamation in the review, I was like, exactly. He gets I, it. He gets yeah. it. He knows what's up. We we actually looked it up, and it was something about like mixing metals. And she was like, "Oh, well, it says metals." And I was like, "It says mixing first, so we're gonna go with that one." Yeah, you're it's you're using it in a metaphorical sense. You're making an amalgamation. You know, you're you're combining things. Of course, you're not mixing metals, but you know, it's a metaphor for stuff, right? Combining like it's sophistication. Come on, December. You, you know, Chris is a is a sophisticated lad who uses words like a flourish, like he's fencing. Right, we're high end over here. Let's go here. Uh, any upcoming games that you're looking forward to? Well, there there are a couple. So, like yeah. one thing, there was an announcement for Forbidden Skies, which I'm a big fan of. Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Forbidden Desert, and I'm excited to see what comes out of Forbidden Skies. And it, I guess it's kind of expected that it was going to happen. And in fact, during an interview with Matt Leacock that I did a while ago, I asked him, you know, what's going on with the Forbidden series? And he said, eh, we, we're, we're working on something, maybe, you know, possibly. <laughs> so this was announced, and I don't really know what it's actually going to be, but I'm really excited about it. I didn't mention this on the what I've been playing, but actually last night I played a couple more sessions of Pandemic's Legacy Season 2, and we have been brutally ravaged by that game. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Matt Leacock is going to make me feel absolutely miserable and delight in my failure uh, yet again. Um, 
Then nice. the the other game, I haven't played it, but there's a, a Kickstarter going on right now as of recording it, or maybe it just finished, uh, for a reprint as well as an expansion and a two-player uh, separate standalone game for Dinosaur Island, and I think the, the two-player edition is Dulasaur Island, and I, I want to check out both of those. Um, they, they're interesting looking games and completely themed around like Jurassic Park and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I really don't know all too much about, um, what kind of level they bring to the table because it's been very wild and varying reports on like, this is a really sophisticated and deep game to like, this is beginner games for babies. And it's hard to get a read on this kind of stuff because people get so hyped up about themes that they like. And if it's a uh, theme that's focused on Jurassic park, something that a lot of people identify with as like something they loved out of their childhood, then I'm, I'm worried that people are are becoming extremely polarized and not looking at it as like a as a standalone thing. They're looking at it either as this is the greatest game of all time because it's this theme uh or people are like this is an amazing theme but it's an absolute garbage game and an example of how people just take these themes and then prey on the audience in order to, you know, um, buy their game just simply based off a theme, but it's really, Mm -hmm. there's hardly any game in there. Yeah. Very rarely do I see something that's like a happy medium of like, here are the, the things that I really like about the game. Here are the things that really aren't so good. And, you know, this is the way that, the mechanics actually reflect and represent and are resonant of the theme. Um, So I'm actually really excited to finally get a chance to try both of these because it looks cool. And I want to like that theme, but I also need a good game in there too, to really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm with you. And I had seen some uh, teaser stuff on forbidden sky as well. And um, what I saw said something about, First you survived the island, then you survived the desert, and then you, you know, now you're apparently something in an airship or something. You're taking your ship and you're going to, something's going to happen while you while you flew away from the desert. Uh-huh. And, and so apparently they're trying to connect all these, and I thought that was kind of neat. We're huge fans of the Forbidden Games also, and uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Um, I would even give it a thirst level of eight and a half out of 10. Oh, perfect. Nice. I love the thirst we, level. We want it. We're thirsty for that one over here. We're huge forbidden fans. So yeah, I'm going peek behind the kimono here really quick and notice there's something midnight outburst. What's that all about? So, um, just looking at some games, uh, uh, coming up midnight outburst. I was a big fan of outburst when I, when I was working with students in uh, um, in psychiatric treatment settings, when I was doing groups with middle schoolers, you know, one cool thing was finding uh, games. I would teach things through board gaming. Uh, uh, I found a, a lot of the ways that you could squash kids getting into each other, getting too competitive, is playing cooperative games. Um, or, you know, party games, if you've got a group that can push it a little bit. And so Outburst was always kind of a fun one. The last word, I mean, I've even played Love Letter with, with kids. Um, 
um, you know, Uno games, of course, Phase Tens and stuff. But uh, Midnight Outburst was more. I expected it to be something like a. Uh, like a Cards Against Humanity thing at first glance, but when I was reading about it, it's just more like an adult uh, outburst game. Have you ever played Outburst? I haven't. It's just basically you have a a, a a little decoder thing, and you put a card in there, and it'll just have categories, and people just start blurting out all the categories, and the team, and you're doing it in teams, and you just basically have to click off whoever clicks off more of the gets more of the clues. They win that Got round, and, and you're playing team versus team. And so it would be like, things in a baseball game. And then, you know, you'd click them off, you know, the batter, bases, fans, or whatever. And um, this one was a little bit more specific, it seemed. It was just kind of things like band names with numbers. And it was like some 41, Blink-182, 3-6 Mafia, slang words for erections, late night talk shows, popular drugs in the club and then so i was like okay i'm getting this now i i see what's going on here um and so you know i i was gonna give it a, a an eight out of ten but i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten because it wasn't as cards against humanity as i thought it would be you know because for me I, I was looking at this and i was thinking it just seemed like more outburst to me rather than like but I get it. I was looking at these midnight versions of games, and uh, it's just basically, you know, you got the games that you can play with the families and the kids, and then you got the games asking questions like, what's popular drugs in the club, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this would be a terrible game for me to play because I, I am so... Uh, the nerdy kid who couldn't even imagine like what uh, is molly is molly a thing is molly at the clubs i don't know what molly is but i think molly is what the kids are doing at the clubs please tell me molly is a thing when i was watching it though molly was one of the answers oh so. okay so maybe i could do all right context clues there they maybe were like my, my expansive history and knowledge of like rock and roll uh, through the ages will allow me to bring some some things to the forefront there. I can pretend I was cool vicariously through all the bands I've ever loved. You know, speaking of through the ages, my wife is still hating on that game. Oh, dude. <laughs> we'll see it at the store and she's got to say something about it. Can you believe that? Oh, man. Christina is the same way with, like, um, Agricola. She does not like Agricola. And, oh, you know, she'll she'll be like... You know, that that wasn't that fun of a game that we just played, but at least it was no Agricola. You know, I'm like, dude, just, we don't own Agricola. It's not like, you know, it's pushing itself into your face. You can let it go. Jeez. Uh, my wife actually has a huge problem with Agricola, too. She's not a big fan of the feeder exactly. people mechanic. And so when we played with other people, like, she's just stacking beggar cards. And so one time when we were hitting up our gaming group, she actually had made a cardboard sign that said, we'll work for food. And she actually brought a beggar sign to the game. It was fantastic. Um, and so what we decided to try out was, I know this is kind of breaking all kinds of unspoken rules, but we uh, we played uh, Agricola without the feed your people mechanic. Uh-huh. And it was more about it, it ended up being more like nice farmula. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, who built the nicest farm? I mean, that's really what it turned out to be. Uh, it was fun. Have you guys played Caverna? 
you know, I, we've seen a lot of stuff on Caverna. It's a little bit, I mean, I know she's on colonists with me, but I think that's, I can't get her on too many of the super heavy games. And she was definitely uh, intimidated by the bulk of the box and all of the stuff inside there. Well, part of the problem with Caverna is that it's made to go up to seven players. So it has all the components that you would need for seven players. I would never want to play that game with seven players. In a two to three player game, which I do very much enjoy, you use maybe like a third or less of the stuff in the box. So it's a lot more manageable. Um, And the game itself um, is way less punishing if you uh, don't feed your people. um, And feeding your people is generally much easier. And it's more of a sandbox like the where Agricola is all about um, very, very tight choices and being restrictive. You have to account for certain things in order to win. Caverna is very familiar, except it is much more about empowerment. You have a broad range of things. If you want to go into a specific strategy, have at it. You have like a hundred different strategies that you can do in the game. Mm -hmm. And, it allows you to kind of make something of that. You still do have to feed your people now and then, but how you do that is so much easier and and more manageable. And uh, it, it's not like you lose points if you don't have every single animal at the end or is like extremely punishing on all regards. Caverna is much more of the fun sandbox that I enjoy. The only thing that I think is not, uh, as good at it as uh, as Agricola is is like I really like at the beginning of Agricola how you draft uh, cards in order to have like your opening hand or you just draw into cards to kind of help give you a little nudge in a direction. Yeah. In Caverna, the equivalent of those cards are these buildings that are just available from the start. Like every single one is laid out, and so you. Y- you have infinite possibility of what you can do and you don't have that nudge in a direction. You just kind of feel it out as you play the game, but Mm -hmm. the game itself, you know, like a a two player game is maybe an hour and a half, two hours. um, And it, it is fun and you get to do all the great things that you love in Agricola. Just it's a little bit more friendly and a little less cutthroat and punishing. Um, man, I think that I might be able to get a sell on that because you're addressing a lot of the issues that December had with it. Um, and she was very concerned about just getting another game with a feed your people mechanic. And I was just like, oh, I can't be the same. Come on. And so, um, we'll see what she does. I'm going to get her to budge on that one. I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. There's a two player version that I haven't checked out that came out, um, it's the equivalent of the two-player Agricola, the all-players big or all. Yeah, you know, um, I've seen that. Um, we started on the Agricola All Things Big and Small, that two-player one, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I had a buddy that had the Agricola full game, and he let us borrow it, and we were like, "Oh man, this is like way more our style." And so I can imagine that the Caverna one, we've seen it, and I was like, "I wonder if it's kind of the same." 
uh, a same uh, um, comparison, and it sounds like it is. So yeah, the the Caverna Cave versus Cave is the two player only version. If you want to yeah. kind of dip your toes, but definitely I I like Caverna a lot more than I like Agricola, and it's specifically because it's much more empowering than it is restrictive. And I can see why people want Agricola, but for me, I'm all about that empowerment and and being able to get in the sandbox and just kind of sculpt my adventure and feel proud of what, you know, sort of sheep mastery I've accomplished throughout the game. And whether mm-hmm. I win or lose, I can still feel like I built this really awesome engine. Whereas Agricola, I'm constantly looking at the things that I want to do and then instead choosing the things that I have to do. Right. And that's a huge problem with me because it's like, oh, I want to do this. And then ah, ah, I got to feed. Well, I mean, I get you. I get it. You got to feed your people. But man, it feels just dooming. Mm-hmm. I get to a game. I get to the end of a game of Agricola and I'm like, ah, you know, I wish I could have did all this other stuff. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, well, b- before we head out, the last thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, for everyone out there, um, I-, I know this may sound like a, a ridiculous mess of unfocused nonsense, uh, us just hanging out and talking about yep. board games, but that's the point of yes. uh, us doing this, and TCBH Hangouts is really just kind of a, a peek behind the curtain of what we would be talking about anyway. And, you know, like this is something that if I were sitting down with Chris or Rob or whatever, I would be just having these conversations about this kind of stuff. And so that's kind of the point of the show, but we have all kinds of other stuff on the, the website, cardboardherald.com and YouTube on the YouTube channel there. Uh, Chris has um, been uh, providing stuff to the, the cardboard Herald, various little content snippets. And I I'm excited to have more stuff from him in the future, but all of that is a little bit more focused. This is the free form jazz sort of thing here. Um, but, we produce a huge amount of content and uh, a big thing that we did recently was launch a Patreon in order to um, actually be able to tighten up some of the things around here and focus on some of the things we'd like to do. And so if you like hanging out with us, you, you like uh, what cardboard held provides, there are some really cool rewards and, and things that allow you to kind of become the, the fabric of TCBH. So uh, if you're interested in that, you can go to our webpage, cardboardheld.com and just check out the Patreon link at the top. Um, that mirrors very much what I was going to say. And, and just that, you know, you guys, if you want to be a part of something genuine, authentic, like Jack said, we would be hanging out and and talking about these same things. I'd be drinking the same cup of coffee. I'd be giving Jack a hard time about drinking tea. Hey, um. you know what? <laughs> My kid was sleeping earlier and I didn't want to grind the coffee because I I need fresh ground coffee whenever Ooh. I have coffee. You know, I, I go legit here and I didn't want to wake my kid up. So I went with tea today, you know, a nice uh, a nice tea to enjoy my morning. A little bit of honey in it. It was perfect. Just some black tea. That actually sounds lovely. Lovely. Simply <laughs> lovely. So, you know, next installment, we'll hopefully have Rob back with us. 
Um, thank you guys for joining us. Um, it's always a pleasure. Um, and uh, please, you know, check out the Patreon. Go to the Cardboard Hill website. There is some great stuff on there. If you're a music fan, I highly suggest checking out the Cardboard Herald content. Um, all of us are music fans, and so you know <laughs> yeah. we're going to be. We're going to be speaking to them, those people as well, all over the, the spectrum. So uh, I know I appreciate it. I know Jack appreciates it. We appreciate any and all support. And uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Take care.